Hello, I'm Rod Butler. Welcome to Let God Speak. It's built into our DNA to want to live. We do everything we can to extend our length of our lives, but eventually we age and die. However, the Bible records have been a select group have died and have been raised back to life. One raised for eternal life, but the others would die again. Today we're going to discuss those before the cross who have been resurrected from the dead. On our panel today, we have Alan Sonter and Kylie Fisher. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Before we start on our program, let's bow for prayer. Loving Father, we want to thank you for the opportunity of discussing this amazing situation of the resurrection of humans. Lord, we pray that as we have this discussion, may the Holy Spirit give us wisdom and may our viewers also have wisdom too. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, life started with a formula and I'd like to read that formula and I'm reading from Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, and it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And there's the formula. We have breath of life plus dust of the ground equals human soul. So death is actually the reverse of that. The dust goes back to the earth and the breath goes back to God. And the same God who created us in the beginning can also recreate us if we die. We're going to look now at the first human to be resurrected. And that first human was Moses. Uh, what were the circumstances of his death, Kylie? So Moses actually is one of the most amazing Bible characters. He was the one specially chosen by God to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. And he actually spoke to God face to face. We also know that Moses was incredibly patient because he led a rebellious people for 40 years through the wilderness. Um, and just on the very borders of the promised land, his faith failed and he struck the rock twice instead of speaking to the rock. And because of that sin, God could not allow him to enter the promised land. And so we read in Deuteronomy 34 about his death, and I'm going to read verses five to seven. It says, So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he, that is God, buried him in a valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor, but no one knows his grave to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. So here we see that God was actually really the one that took the life from Moses. It says that his natural vigor wasn't diminished. He didn't really so much die of natural causes. It was just that God took the breath back and Moses ceased, ceased to, to exist. Yeah. Yes. Well, the Bible then, Alan, pulls the curtain aside and we see there's a spiritual controversy going on. And we get a glimpse into that. Tell us all about that. Well, there's just one verse in the New Testament, really, that sheds light on that. And that's Jude verse 9. Jude's a small book with only one chapter. So Jude verse 9 reads like this. 
Yet Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Now, Michael, who is Christ, and Satan were disputing about the body of Christ, a body of Moses. And uh, when uh, Michael says, the Lord rebuke you, that word Lord in the Hebrew, well, in the Greek in the New Testament, that word Lord is, uh, means almost like an owner. So it looks as though the dispute was over who owned the body of Moses. And, uh, and uh, even though Moses had sinned, he had been forgiven. And so Christ was very clear that he owned the body of Moses. And yet, so therefore, by default, Satan's claiming, no, I own Moses. He's in the grave. He's mine. Yes. What was the outcome of this dispute, uh, Kylie? Yeah, well, as Alan mentioned, um, it's sort of just that one brief verse there in Jude. So we actually need to compare that with other Bible verses Mm. to, um, yeah, and sort of put the story together by comparing Bible verses with each other. So uh, in... uh, while Jesus was alive on earth, we know that there was a time when he was transfigured. And one of the places that that's mentioned is in Luke chapter 9. And so I'm going to read from Luke chapter 9 and verses 32 and 33, because when Jesus was transfigured and sort of glorified, um, he there was two people that appeared and that spoke with him. And from verse 30, we know that those were Moses And Elijah, of course, Elijah being taken to heaven, you know, without actually dying. So in verse 32, it says, But Peter and those with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Then it happened as they were parting from him that Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here and let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. So we can see from this clearly that uh, Moses was raised from the dead. And so sort of putting that together with Jude, we see that uh, Satan and Christ were disputing over the body of Moses. It's significant that they were disputing over his body. It wasn't just a disembodied soul. So they were actually disputing over his body. And the outcome of the dispute was that Christ Despite Moses' sin, Christ was able to, um, through God's power, um, to win that debate. And so he raised Moses from the dead. And we have the evidence of that at the Transfiguration. Just picking up your point about it wasn't a, you know, a, a spirit. We have Elijah there and Elijah didn't die. Mm. So he was still a physical person. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's worth noting that uh, <clears throat> Moses' situation was different from all the others that we will be discussing today because he wasn't raised just to live a little longer in this sinful world. He was raised to eternal life. And uh, no wonder Satan disputed that because at the time when Jesus uh, raised Moses was before Jesus had paid the price on Calvary. And so Satan was saying, yeah, you've got no right to give this man eternal, eternal life yet. And I think that was part of the dispute. Mm. 
And also a really significant thing on the Mount of Transfiguration was that Elijah represented the righteous who are um, translated without seeing death, whereas Moses represents those righteous, all of the righteous dead who will be raised at the second coming. That's a good point because verse 30 clearly says it was Moses and Elijah mm. and Peter knew it was Moses and Elijah. So their identity was obviously well, well established yeah. without dispute. And as you say, represented the two classes. Yeah. Mm. Well, let's move on. We're going to move forward now for about 550 years to the story of Elijah. And we know the story of Elijah. Elijah was asked by God or told by God to go and pronounce, pronounce judgment on Ahab, which he did, uh, and that it wouldn't rain. He then had to flee and he went to the brook Cherith for about a year. And when the creek dried up or the stream dried up, he then had to go to uh, Phoenicia and he stayed at Zarephath. God directed him to stay with a widow. And there was a miracle every day where the crews of oil and the, uh, the meal was replenished and they were able to survive through a great famine. But despite this uh, miracle every day that God was with them and this widow knew that Elijah was hunted by, by Ahab, her faith was tested in a big way. Tell us about that uh, testing. Well, <clears throat> this, uh, this lady had actually uh, been very helpful to Elijah in providing food. She and her son, remember, had been uh, uh, providing, looking after Elijah. Let's have a look in uh, 1 Kings chapter 17 and verses 21 and 22. And we see here the description of, of what happened when this lady's son died and uh, Elijah was going to resurrect him. Reading verse 21, And he stretched himself out on the child three times and cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray you, let this child's soul come back to him. Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came back to him, and he revived. Now it's interesting to note that the Hebrew word for soul, that's translated soul there, is actually nephesh, and it can mean breath. So I believe that what uh, uh, happened was that Elijah was asking God to send the breath of life back, and God did that. And, uh, and so this uh, little boy uh, was revived. The mother was distraught because she, had, she was a widow, and if her son died, she had no way of, uh, no, nobody to look after her in her old age. It was like her life insurance was being taken away. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't have made sense to her that God would sustain them every day and yet let That's the right. child die. So her faith was tested in yes, a big way. Yeah. Well, Elijah was taken to heaven and then Elisha was his successor. And Elisha uh, asked for a double portion and was given a double portion of Elijah's spirit. We have the story in, in uh, 2 Kings chapter 4 where we have... Um, Elisha um, meets a woman of Shunem and prophesies that that woman of Shunem would have a child. She was childless, of course. That child then grew up and that child became a very valued son. But then that child died. How was her faith tested, Kylie? 
So from this story, it seems that um, the couple might not have been able to have children. So in 2 Kings 4 and verse 14, uh, Elisha is speaking here and it says, So he said, What then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, Actually, she has no son and her husband is old. So this mother knew that uh, this child was a special prophesied child. And so she, so that was really a miracle. And then, you know, the fact that he died, then again, her faith was tested. And so she, you know, did she have enough faith to also believe that this special prophesied son would be raised to life? And so immediately she set out for prophet Elisha and she wouldn't even be satisfied just with Gehazi going. She said she determined she would not leave Elisha until he came and then he raised the boy to life. And it's interesting too, that boy would have been dead for some time because Mm. where she had to go from where she lived in Shunem to Mount Carmel is is some distance. Mm. So to go there and then come back, the child would have been well and truly deceased. Mm-hmm. So this was a great miracle for sure. Yeah. Alan, what, uh, what similarities can you see from the account of Elisha raising the child from the dead and Elijah raising the child from the dead? Well, both, were, both the children that were raised were only children. And the Phoenician, one was a Phoenician and one was uh, an, an Israelite. And so uh, we find here that... Uh, God raises uh, a Gentile, if you like, and he raises a Jewish, well, a Hebrew boy. And uh, both of the mothers were, were uh, received their children because of God's activity. For example, the, the lady from Zarephath she, her son would have died if Elijah, if Elijah hadn't come and fed them. And uh, the lady from Shunem, her son was promised as a result of the fact that she had uh, been a helpful person to Elisha. And so uh, it was because of their faith that God raised them both from the dead, which shows that God doesn't make any difference between Jew or Gentile. Romans three twenty-eight to 30 we read, or is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also, since there is one God who will justify the, circ- the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. So the thought is that the two children that were raised were very different, but they were both raised as a result of the prayers of God's prophets. Yeah, very interesting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, let's now move on to the New Testament. So we have in the Old Testament, we have Moses and two, two boys, three people raised from the dead. We move to the New Testament and we now have the account of uh, Jesus raising uh, to life a, a widow's son. And this was at a funeral procession at Nain. Now, it's interesting that Shunem is on the uh, south side of uh, Mount Gilboa and Nain is on the north side and Jesus happens upon this funeral procession and sees this, uh, this widow weeping and he, he goes over to the widow and he does something. What does he do? 
So uh, let's look at Luke 7 and verses 13 and 14. And I think from this story, we just see so many characteristics that are really typical of Jesus and that also give us an example of the things we should do in our lives. So verse 13 says, When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came and touched the open coffin and those who carried him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. So here we see that Jesus, even without being asked, approached and touched the coffin, which then meant actually that he was ceremonially defiled, but we won't go into that. But um, so without even being asked, Jesus actually performed this miracle. And that shows that even sometimes when we don't feel worthy to ask Christ, about things, um, that he will still work for us. And another thing is that, uh, that again, so often it was those in difficult circumstances, like for instance, in the Old Testament, you know, it was the widow's son that Elijah raised to life. And so here again, Jesus raises a widow's son, her only son to life. And so that shows, you know, in James, it talks about caring for orphans and widows um, and it shows the compassion of Christ. We now move on to uh, another story, which is quite interesting. Jesus has just uh, cast out demons uh, from the a legion of demons from the man at Gadara, crosses the lake and goes back to Capernaum. And we pick up this story in uh, Mark, and I'm going to read chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. And it says, And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet. And besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. Now, she was not dead. How was Jairus's faith uh, tested here? Well, actually, <clears throat> we, we read in uh, Mark chapter 5 and verses 35 and 36 that uh, Jesus really didn't hurry to answer that man's request. It says here in, the, in 35, while he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? So because of the delays, Jesus healing the lady with the bleeding problem and so on, uh, time was taken up so that a message came now, it's too late. She's died. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. And so this father's faith, faith was tested uh, and Jesus uh, promised him, just believe, don't, don't be afraid, just believe. Hmm. Interesting there, Kylie, just, just picking up on that point where it says, do not fear, only believe. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of people would like to know how to do that. How can we learn that? <laughs> yeah, so uh, it comes through practice, really. Practice makes perfect. And so the Bible is full of promises and it's by proving God's promises and claiming those promises that that's how we learn not to fear and to believe. So some wonderful promises are Isaiah 41, verse 10, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. 
So yeah, that one says to fear not. It's their God. That's actually command from God. And also Second Timothy 1 verse 7 is a wonderful verse that says God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Mm, amen. Very powerful verse, that one. Mm. Alan, just picking up the story again, when Jairus, when Jesus does get to Jairus's house, he says something interesting. What did he say? Well, he said <coughs> uh, in verse, uh, I'll read verse 39 of chapter 5, Mark 35, Mark 5, 39. When he came in, he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them outside, he took the father and mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. So Jesus says, the child is sleeping. Now, the idea of sleep being applied to somebody who had died is not unusual. Actually, in, in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 2, Daniel is told, you will sleep uh, and you'll be raised at the end of time. And that was about 500 years before, wasn't it? Quite mm. some time. So the Jews should have known about the concept of sleep. Mm. Kylie, what was significant about the command uh, that Jesus gave? Uh, well, we see that Jesus has the power to raise the dead. Um, but also, uh, let's just have a look in verse 41, uh, Mark chapter 5, verse 41. It says, Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kumai, which is translated, Little girl, I say to you, arise. So in this case, and also in the case of the um, the man from Nain, like Jesus said, young man, I say to you, arise. And um, we'll shortly be talking about Lazarus as well. Um, so we see that he addressed her individually and he addressed the, um, the man Nain individually because if he had just said arise, then all of the dead would have raised back to life. Would have been a lot of uh, miracles <laughs> happening at once there. Well, you mentioned Lazarus. Let's move on to Lazarus. And uh, firstly, who was Lazarus, Alan? Well, Lazarus was a man who lived at the village of uh, Bethany, which was not too far away from Jerusalem. And uh, in John chapter 11 and verse 1, we read, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. So we find here that there's a family, Mary, Martha, sisters, and their brother Lazarus, who lived together. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So these were special people to Jesus because they were strong believers in Jesus' mission and his divinity. And so um, uh, the, uh, they were friends. And so Jesus, they, they have thought that Jesus uh, would respond to their needs probably more than to most others. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's, that's exactly right. So apart from the fact that Lazarus is, is risen from the dead, there are two other aspects um, to this account, which are similar to the account of Jairus's daughter. What are they, Kylie? Uh, well, the first one is in terms of the time that it took. Mm. Um, so we know that in the account with Jairus's daughter, that Jesus allowed himself to be distracted by, you know, another woman that was sick. And so in John 11 verses four to six, we read uh, that, you know, when Jesus heard the message from 
um, Mary and Martha. It says, when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. So you would think that if Jesus loved um, Mary and Martha and Lazarus, they would be quickly going to their side to help them. But instead, we find here that he stayed two more days in the place. And so God doesn't always answer our prayers immediately. Sometimes there is a delay and that can test our faith. Yes, indeed. And uh, that, that was a big test of faith as well. I just want to read uh, two verses here. Um, this is in John chapter 11. This is the, the same chapter. Verses 25 and 26, it says, Jesus said unto her, this is to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believe in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Now, what's Jesus talking about here? He's talking about we do die, we don't die. What's what's happening here? Uh, well, when he says that we do die, that's talking about our mortal life. When he says that we don't, we won't die. He's talking about uh, the the first resurrection, actually the resurrection of the righteous dead. So uh, in Revelation 20, it says, "Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection, for on such the second death hath no power." So that's the one that the righteous will not experience. So what, what, are, what would the wider implications to Jesus's ministry do we see here uh, with the raising of Lazarus? Alan, what's, uh, there's a bigger picture here too that happened at the time. What was that all about? Well, this was the crowning miracle of Jesus' ministry. Up until this time, there had been questions. People would say, oh, well, Yes, some were raised, but then they could argue that perhaps they weren't really dead. This time, we have a person who's been dead for four days. His body's decomposing. Jesus comes along and says, I say unto you, arise. And this person comes to life. This was the most amazing miracle. And the Jews realized that. And to the point where they were even saying, well, we better kill Lazarus as well, because because as long as Lazarus is alive, people are going to believe that Jesus can raise the dead. Would have been headline news, that one. Yes. Decomposing four days and he walks out of the tomb. So last question to you, Kylie. Why is, you met, Jesus mentioned death as a sleep, uh, mentioned in Daniel. Why is the concept of death as a sleep so important? Well, I think that it can bring us a lot of comfort. I mean, if the dead are not asleep, if they're not just resting in the grave, then, um, you know, are they, where are they? Are they in hell? Are they suffering a terrible torment? I've personally spoken to people that, you know, to one man who thought that his father had passed away, uh, you know, his father had passed away many years before, and he was terrified the whole time that his dad was in purgatory. So I think it brings us great comfort to know that the dead are asleep. Yeah, they're resting from their labours. Well, thank you, Kylie. Thank you, Alan. Well, there we have it. A select group of people raised from the dead awoken from the sleep of death by the power of God. The gospel is the great news that Jesus died for us on the cross so we may have eternal life, but it's the resurrection of Jesus that assures us of our own resurrection to eternal life. Moses was raised to eternal life in anticipation of the resurrection of Christ. 
Friends, put your trust in the blessed hope and accept Christ as your saviours today. Thank you for joining us on Let God Speak. Remember all past programs plus our teacher's notes are available on our website 3abnaustralia.org.au. Email us if you wish on lgs at 3abnaustralia.org.au. Join us again next time and God bless. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.